What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. Today, Dr. Glenn Bergeron is going to talk to us about, I should have asked you, but what do, how do you say it? Do you say WFAT or WFAT? Uh, it's, it's typically said World Federation of Athletic Training Therapy. The World Fed, WFAT is a common thing. We don't particularly like that, but that's what lots of people use. All right, so... So today, Dr. Glenn Bergeron will talk, talk to us about the World Federation of Athletic Training and Therapy, uh, and then if you have to abbreviate it, it's WFATT. I am your host, Jeremy Jackson. I'm joined by Dr. Aaron Hassler, who has experience with athletic training abroad as well as right here in Houston, and so it, it's a joy to have her here with me as well. This this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash W-F-A-T-T. So I'll have links to anything that we mention, any of the resources, ways to get a hold of Dr. Bergeron, Dr. Hassler, or myself, or to get a hold of W-F-A-T or W-F-A-T-T. So Dr. Bergeron, without much further ado, let's just get a like an overview. Give me the cliff notes. What is the World Federation of Athletic Training and Therapy? Uh, well, the World Federation of Athletic Training and Therapy, which is a mouthful, I know, uh, has been in existence since 2000, so we have a 20-year history now. And it, it initially started uh, as a brainchild of uh, the, the National Athletic Trainers Association, the NATA, and the CATA, the Canadian Athletic Therapists Association, uh, where they felt that there was a need to globalize what we do. Uh, for uh, much of it, uh, the, the profession of athletic training and therapy is um, is a North American phenomena. You know that. Uh, the NATA has a long history of 65 years, of, uh, uh, and we in, in Canada have a 55-year history. Um, and so, you know, we, we're pretty passionate about what we do. We, we know the value of what we do. We know the effect that we can have on, on the physically active individual. And so we wanted to make sure that that same type of uh, access and, and, uh, and to that kind of service was a global phenomenon. And so uh, the World Federation was launched in, in 2000, and um, since that time, I think we've had, we've had uh, four different presidents now. Uh, I am actually the first president outside of the U.S. It's not, it's not an NATA affiliate. So we're essentially sort of establishing ourselves a little bit, maybe a little bit more globally, uh, where some of our other international partners are taking a much more uh, engaged role in the World Federation. But the, uh, the essence of the World Federation is really to be the global face of, uh, of athletic training and therapy worldwide. And we would do that on two fronts. One is that we want to represent uh, the, uh, the international scope of athletic training and therapy to other international organizations. So there are a number of international organizations that are responsible for sport uh, uh, and, and or for uh, health care for our athletes. Uh, that would be including things like the International Olympic Committee, uh, the FIMS, Federation Internationale de Medicine Sportif, uh, the European Sports Medicine, uh, the FIFA would be other groups that are international, uh, international ice hockey uh, would be international. So all these organizations are international and all of them, uh, to some extent, use our services or have services, a need for our services. And so... The, 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 the uh, impetus of what we want to do with the World Federation is to be able to present a global 
uh, standard of what athletic training and therapy is and who those people are and in such a way that these international organizations would, would uh, first of all, recognize who we are, but, but at the same time, uh, come to trust and embrace a standard that we have set at a global level so that wherever you come from, whether if you're an athletic trainer or therapist anywhere in the world, uh, then outside bodies could recognize that uh, you've met a st- you are a part of a global uh, a global family that has a standard and you've met that standard of which you can, uh, they can trust you for. Hi, Dr. Bergeron. With the plan to make WFAT, World Federation, uh, a global face, is there some sort of credentialing in development for athletic trainers or athletic therapists? Uh, I know sometimes in other countries they're called physiotherapists. I'm not sure if that's one of the um, clinical practices that you all are wanting to um, include. But is there some sort of universal certification or credentialing that uh, would be available for right. uh, providers to to attain in order to meet that standard or to be recognized by the organization? Right. Uh, that's a very good question, Aaron. Uh, the, uh, so the essence of uh, the, the way that we see ourselves moving is that uh, we want to uh, empower each country to have control of their own profession. And uh, for a couple of reasons, one is that uh, uh, every country will have individual nuances of, uh, for, that are culturally specific to their country that might uh, identify and, and uh, describe their profession. And so the scope of practice could be somewhat different you know, from country to country. The other is that we want to be able to, if we're going to, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, lobby uh, and promote the profession of athletic training and therapy, it really needs to happen within that country. So we need to uh, engage and empower and organize people within their own country who will then go about the process of promoting the profession of athletic training and therapy. So what we're trying to do is, uh, is establish associations in each different country, and those associations are autonomous. They're their own, uh, they're their own, they des- decide what their scope of practice is, they decide what their certification process is, they, their academic preparation, etc. They decide all of that. And, um, and then, uh, so that they can then um, uh, grow within their own country. And then from there, what we do is when they're doing that, as, as they go through that process, that we do want to make sure that that we're all going down the same path so that we do to some degree have some commonality uh, and the largest proportion of what we do should be common. Uh, and then, so if I've had to put a number on it, I'd say, you know, 80% of what, it, what we do as athletic training and therapy worldwide is the same and maybe 10 to 20% might be somewhat different. So if I was going to, to uh, Japan, for example, or to China, then acupuncture may be something that they would do. Uh, other countries, for example, I know that one of our members uh, in Ireland, uh, they have a strong focus on manual therapy, um, whereas there'd be less of a focus uh, on manual therapy in other parts of, in other countries. Um, so we would recognize that as being a bit of a, u- a uniqueness to that particular country. But in essence, we have this common scope of practice. 
Now, how do we, how do we uh, adjudicate that, monitor that, recognize that? Uh, currently, uh, we have what's referred to as the mutual recognition agreement. That mutual recognition agreement is not part of the World Federation. It's independent of the World Federation. It's a, um, uh, it, again, it's got a bit of a history. It, it initially started in 2005 when the NATA and the CATA signed a bilateral agreement. And uh, what we did, in, the, the essence of the agreement was that if uh, you were NATA certified but wanted to come to Canada to work in Canada, uh, you couldn't do that without, initial, without then going through our whole academic program and challenging our certification exam. And now what we've, the, the agreement then said, well, let's, let's look at each other's academic programs. Let's look at each other's certification programs and accreditation programs. And if we both have confidence in what we're doing, that there's a similarity to that, then, then we would indeed then have a confidence in that, that certified person coming out of that country. We would still put a, a, a layer of protection, if you like, because the, 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 the whole point is protection of the public to ensure that we have qualified people. So the uh, MRA indicated that if you were BOC certified, you could come to Canada and challenge the CATA exam. And if you passed it, then you could, you could uh, have the right to practice in Canada. And then reciprocally, the same thing would happen in the U.S. Isn't so that, that was in changing? 2005. Isn't that changing uh, in, to, in 2020? Well, so in, so in 2015, we, we entered into a tripartite agreement mm -hmm. with Ireland. So we have three countries. That, and so that 2015 agreement ends in 2020. Okay. And they're currently going through negotiations now. Uh, the, the, the agreement said that within 18 months out of the, the, before the termination of one agreement, we have to start negotiating. So the MRA, the partners in the MRA are currently uh, in negotiation right now um, and so to see what the 2020 to 2025 agreement will look like. I ran into a uh, colleague when I was traveling this fall in Doha uh, from Jamaica, and she was interested in you know, being able to come into this country and and do some work, you know, right. still be able to maintain her status in her country and work with her athletes. Um, but she was Canadian. So she worked in Jamaica, but she's actually Canadian. Um, yeah. And her uh, credentials were from, from Canada. Would you recommend that someone with that sort of um, uh, desire that they expedite their credentialing process prior to waiting for the 2020 decision to come down? Well, uh, unfortunately, the MRA is in a bit of a conflict, not a conflict, but it's in a bit of a, a flux. There wasn't a, a, an issue related to the MRA uh, that uh, the CATA uh, had some issues with, and they, uh, they opted to we withdraw from the current MRA. So currently, we did in 2015, we had a tripartite agreement between the NATA, Ireland, and Canada. And Canada has withdrawn from this current MRA. Okay. And so, uh, so that is, there, that was there was a window of opportunity there. where they could have done that. And mm -hmm. at the moment, they can't, they can't get, a Canadian can't uh, avail themselves of the MRA uh, under the current agreement. That may change in the in twenty if for when at the end of this particular one in twenty twenty, when there's negotiations that are happening, uh, that may change. Okay. 
All right, so Dr. Bergeron, tell me a little bit about your um, therapist story. So how did you become a therapist, and then how did you become involved in WFATT? Uh, well, that's it's, yeah, I, I've got a long history because I've got lots of gray hair. Uh, but I, I started uh, when I did a physical education degree, actually, at the University of Manitoba. And at that time, uh, we had, uh, so that was in 19, 1970, a uh, long, long time ago. Um, and at that time, there was no accredited programs for athletic therapy. The, the association was in place. It had been in place for, uh, I guess, five years because it, uh, and it was initially started in 1965. Um, and so the like the NATA, uh, when, we, when it first started growing, it was an internship-based program. That was that was housed within the faculty of physical uh, physical education at the University of Manitoba. So, I, I I was initially went into the faculty to become a physical education teacher, but then was exposed to athletic training and therapy and decided that that's the bend that I wanted to take. So I I was doing some of the internship program through the, my mentor at the university. His name was Gord Mackey, and um, and when I finished my undergraduate degree. Uh, I decided to go to the University of Alberta and do a master's degree in exercise. The, the title was, the degree was exercise science, but the, the stream was athletic training and therapy. Um, and so I, I went and did a two years uh, with my master's degree there. And while I was there, that's when the certification exams first came in. They came in in 1975. Uh, and so I was one of the first people to write the very first certification exam and certified in 1975, and then finished my master's degree. And then uh, after that, I came back to Winnipeg, to Manitoba, and I, uh, I worked, started working at the University of Winnipeg as the head athletic therapist there. Uh, I worked there for 10 years as the head athletic therapist, and then I was asked to come to the University of Manitoba, which is an, a, our larger institution in our city, and I uh, worked there for nine years as their director of athletic therapy. And then, and interestingly, the University of Winnipeg invited me to come back because they wanted to start an academic program in athletic training and therapy. So I came back as an academic. I, I did. I did. I had done. In the meantime, I had done my PhD, uh, and so they invited me to come back to the University of Winnipeg to start an academic program in athletic training, athletic therapy, and um, uh, and then we were accredited in 1999 as one of the first academic institutions in in Canada to be accredited and the rest is history. We've been working, I've been working at this for since that time. So the last 24 years, uh, I've been at the University of Winnipeg. Um, in terms of my professional involvement with my organization, uh, I, when I was at the University of Winnipeg the first time I was at, we actually, the first time I uh, came to university, they had already committed to hosting the national national uh, conference for the CATA, and so that became one of my first tasks as the chair of the national organization. And at that time, we started a provincial one to be able to just to get volunteers and get engaged. And so our provincial association, the Manitoba Athletic Therapy Association, was formed out of that that process. Um, and then since that time, I have been uh, on the CATA committee. Uh, uh, in one capacity or another, uh, every every year I've been on some committee. I've 
served as the president of the association for five years. I was the vice president for a number of years. I was on the executive for probably 10 or 12 years. And I was the ombuds, first ombuds person, the ethics chairperson. I was on the exam review committees. So I've been on, and I'm currently uh, on the International Relations Committee for the CATA. Um, and that that role on the International Relations Committee is what, uh, well, I should take, take a step back. I was the president in 2005 of the CATA, and that's when we signed the MRA. And that's when the World Federation uh, first adopted its first set of bylaws was in 2005. So I was president of the CAT at that time, and um, as that, I was I was uh, uh, representing the CATA with World Federation, <clears throat> and then um, sometime after that, I became I was on the International Relations Committee, and our International Relations Committee uh, chair uh, sits as the vice president of the World Federation. So uh, <clears throat> uh, Dexter Nelson was the chair of that committee for quite a number of years, and I was a committee member. And as such, uh, the World Federation allows you to bring your representative, your official representative, and one other observer uh, to the meetings. And so I had the opportunity to sit in the, in meetings as an observer and see what the World Federation was doing. Then I became the chair of the International Relations Committee. So then I was then uh, now took on the role of the vice president of the World Federation. And I think I was in that position for a couple of years, uh, two, three years, and then uh, when um, uh, Larry Leverin's, uh, uh his term of office came to an end and he stepped down, um, then I was asked to take on the role of the president's position. So uh, that, that's been since 2017. So I'm two and a half years into a four-year uh, 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 term as president. just wanted to make sure that I understand where WFAAT, the direction that you're going. Um, I know that you said that there's about 80% of the um, the standards that are right. similar or common across the board. Um, if each country is autonomous, if each country has their own standard, um, is there some sort of plan to put in an application to get um, that credential applied? Now, and I and I just say a credential, but I'm really just thinking of like a stamp or gold standard, somewhat like the ACSM or something like that, that if you've gone through these steps, if you've been active for this long, if you hit these standards or been at, been active on a committee level or made some sort of impact, if your country or, or the organizing board for that country has done these things, is there an application process for them to then be able to, if nothing else, be able to use that logo um, on any sort of documentation or any sort of uh, branding that they put out. Right. Yeah, good questions. Uh, so um, the first thing is in terms of membership within the World Federation, uh, are we, we have a new set of bylaws that are probably been in two years now have been in place. Um, and the membership has the membership has been restructured uh, to the point where uh, the uh, association, if the association is applying to be a member of the World Federation and they want to be a, a charter member, uh, then they have to demonstrate that they have the the 
intent, the interest, and the capacity essentially to promote the profession of athletic training and therapy in their country. So do they have an association uh, that is uh, that represents their members? Um, do they have uh, do they have uh, uh, are they moving towards an academic program, et cetera, et cetera? So they have to clearly identify the fact that they are uh, using the terms either athletic training and therapy or they're right now we have a number of different terms, which is a little bit problematic. That was my next um, question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We'll talk so, about that. Yeah, we can. Uh, yeah, that would be good. But uh, so they they need to be demonstrating that they have an intent to promote this profession in their country, and uh, so then they can join the World Federation as a member. Uh, they can be as a charter member. We also have <clears throat> um, academic institutions who have programs in athletic training or therapy. Uh, they can join as an academic member, as an associate member. And we also have, uh, in, within our associate category, we also have organizations who see themselves playing a supportive role in promoting athletic tra training and therapy. Uh, and the two that we have at the moment are Katie and BOC. Okay. They're, uh, so those are US-based. Uh, the Katie is the accrediting body in the, U in the US and the BOC is a certifying body. So they are associate members of our organization. And just this year, we added in an, uh, uh, another category called the Allied Health Professions Act, uh, uh, membership. And those are going to be uh, associations not, that are not athletic training and therapy, but they see a, uh, a strong uh, linkage and an interest to collaborate with what we do professionally. And we would see the same thing. So, so we actually example, have would two that be, like, Would that be like a radiologist? association um, or, it, yeah. it it could be you know if they, maybe yeah it, it could be if they see themselves saying you know we see a value of us linking up with you so we currently have two um the first one is the uh the uh, uh biokinetics association of south africa they were interesting in that uh the biokinetics association of south africa was of actually a member of the world federation when it was initially founded and uh, and so they were a voting member of our organization. When we reconstituted the association and the membership, and we put in this this um, uh, criteria that said that you had to be actively promoting the profession of athletic training and therapy in your country, uh, they said, "Well, actually, we don't do that. Uh, what we do is we promote the profession of biokinetics in our country, and we have as a mission to promote it globally. So we're actually." not working against you, but we're working in parallel with you with a different profession. Mm -hmm. uh, so they withdrew their membership from the, NA, from the World Federation. Uh, but they said, but we would like to maintain a tie. So they're really the ones who stimulated our... Uh, uh, the Allied Health arm? Yeah, the Allied Health thing. So, that, so we've created that, and they are now a member. And then since that time, there's another organization, which is the Canadian... Sport Massage, Sports Massage Therapy Association. And they're the only, to the best of my knowledge, the only sport massage therapy association in the, in the world. And uh, they saw uh, what World Federation is doing. And they saw the value of, of linkages with, with us uh, so that uh, they could, they could uh, educate 
our professions, but what they do, and we could educate them what we do, and we could, you know, cross-pollinate some education. So they're a member, too. So that's a, it's a brand-new category, but it's a pretty exciting one, I think, because uh, we're all about collaboration. Our, like, our mission statement is that we want to be recognized as part of a healthcare team internationally. And so we're all about, first of all, getting... Uh, the defining what our association, our membership does, our profession does, and, and promoting it in all different countries, getting it to grow there, but then at the same time, getting this collaboration with other healthcare professions internationally. Is there some sort of uh, fee or membership dues that are paid? Uh, so we have a fee schedule that's uh, varied. Um, uh, and just to get back before I forget okay. the thing, one of the things that we ask all of our members to do, because we're all we're we're really on a, on a mission to brand this this association, is that we do have our logo, and they are allowed to, and we strongly encourage them to put on their website that just says "Proud Member of the World Federation of Athletic Training and Therapy." So they have, as a member of the of the World Federation, they have the authority to do that and use it wherever they. They, they feel it's a that's of value in terms of the membership fees so uh, for our charter members these are the members to uh, that you know that have a vote these are our voting members uh, we have a fee schedule that's based on their number of members within their organization okay. and the the fee schedule works it's it's about between a dollar and a dollar fifty per member of your association so uh, what the associate when we send out our invoices, they tell us the number of members that they have, and they pay the according the, the, the fee accordingly to that. Um, and so, uh, so that's for our charter members. For our academic institution members, it's one hundred and fifty dollars U.S. Uh, per. These are all annual fees. And for our allied, our uh, uh, like our supportive ones, they're they're five hundred dollars. And our uh, allied health professions groups are 250 and this is all u.s currency so membership is only based on organization okay. no we we do say that we are an organization of organizations you talked about allowing them to use the logo uh jeremy and i both talk about branding and how important it is to brand um if there is a violation of the membership bylaws or, or membership code how, what's your recourse yeah, we our bylaws have uh, termination policies on them. If the people are not uh, uh, complying with the requirements and the regulate requirements of the and the and the spirit of the of the of the World Federation, we do have uh, procedures in place. Uh, thankfully, we haven't been able to have to use them uh, at this point in time. We also have uh, conflict of interest guidelines that all of our all of our uh, like every every charter member appoints a member to our board. And so that person uh, has to uh, agree to a conflict of interest in terms of how we operate within the operations and the administration of our organization, as do every one of our committee members. So we have a number of committees that we have individuals sitting on those committees. Maybe I'll just give you a rundown of those committees. Uh, we have a, our marketing and promotion committee that uh, really is, essential, is the one that's been uh, the the drive behind even this, these podcasts, so we're, and, the, and they do, they drive all of our social media. Um, and then we have a, an education and research committee, and that committee 
uh, we'll be looking looks at different things in terms of uh, position statements that we, we may take or that we might want to support if they're coming from external. They're uh, with our World Congress. They are in charge of our um, abstract and, and, and poster sessions within the, the World Congress. Um, uh, they are, uh, are going to be looking at a variety of different uh, education and research type initiatives that we may want to do and collaborative research and things like that. And then we have an academic institutions committee, and that committee is, uh, is charged with uh, creating a network of academic institutions across the, the globe uh, so that we can uh, have collaborations in best practices, academic best practices, potentially collaborative researches, uh, student and faculty exchange programs, and just having this common uh, communication of of, uh, uh, of academics and academic institutions who are who are moving the the profession of athletic training globally. So those are currently our three. We probably will be putting more in as we move along. So as a member, would you be able to uh, petition the World World Federation for support for research financial support? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we are like we're. Uh, to say that we've been around for from uh, uh, 2000, uh, we are just currently embarking on, on a, a new growth process. So uh, we we in, the World Federation incorporated as a separate entity uh, two years ago. Okay. Uh, so okay. so we've only been we're we're now incorporated. We were uh, and and all the credit to the NATA. Uh, the NATA really, from 2000 on to, to 2018, um, uh, su supported the World Federation uh, financially. Uh, they were pretty much the only sort of, well, largely the, the, the largest source of funding for what we were doing. Uh, they were also, uh, they, as I said, the, the previous three presidents of the World Federation came from the NATA. Uh, so uh, the NATA was really instrumental in, in, in starting it up and fostering its growth and development to the point where they eventually they said, it's time for you to grow up and leave the, leave the nest. And so that's, so that's why we were charged with uh, uh, incorporating independently, having our own and becoming financially independent. So in the last two years, what we've done is we've, we've had our new bylaws, we've incorporated uh, independently uh, uh, from the NATA and we have uh, these membership fees that we have are are brand new so we're only in our second year of membership fees so we're uh, we're uh, starting to develop a financial capacity to be able to do a number of things and um, so that's just starting to show itself now in the last six months really to be able to do that what are the things that we now have some financial ability to do um, so to say that we're actually funding research, we're we're not. Uh, we're not. We're, we don't not have any money yet. that we're giving away yet, but, but we it, will. Uh, let's say someone fresh out of school, you know, newly certified or credentialed, um, but with the desire to travel abroad and to work uh, in another country, uh, would you all? Would that be something that you would consider ways on ways to support them or to help them set up shop? So to speak, in other countries, yeah, um, and I, you know, in the in the hopes to expand the reach or the global face. 
Absolutely. So, um, so that, that can, that happens already. We're, we're doing that. We get okay. contacted uh, pretty regularly now from people who are abroad and just asking for information. Uh, I can tell you too, though, that there are uh, uh, at least, at least three, the uh, three countries right now have international relations committees. So the NATA has an international committee and the Canadian, the, the uh, CATA, the Canadian Athletic Therapy Association has an international relations committee and already has uh, the Irish people have an uh, international committee. Uh, and there's where we have to start to work on. We have to work a little more closely together to say, what's the distinction between these international committees? So uh, the NATA and the CATA have indicated to us their international uh, interests are their NATA or their members who are working abroad. They want to be able to help and support them. So uh, and and so we would say absolutely that would be one of the responsibilities you would have as a member organization is to support your membership. So we would want them to do that. We want to make sure that the international committees from the, uh, from these different countries know what's going on. So, for example, the NATA and the CATA have a strong working relationship between our our respective international committees. So we know what each other are doing. Uh, they sit in on our committees. We sit in on their committees. So we know what we're what we're doing, and there's some things that that we share resources with. Um, so that's a that's a member based one, and the World Federation would would support those. And but they would also uh, there are other avenues as well. So that as our international our academic institution network grows internationally, so we could then provide a member a person coming and saying, I want to know what's happening in in Ireland, and we do this all the time now, uh, I want to be able to go to school there. Well, here's the academic institutions that, that are members of our organization. Here's the contact information you can contact. Oftentimes what we do is just copy the person's name and they, we make the linkage right away. Um, the same thing if they're coming, they want to go to the country and they want to know what the organization is like, then we make that connection with them as well. Okay. So we are we're, we are a network where part of this network. Yes, sir. So we've talked about World Federation as a organization of organizations. Right. So right now I'm wearing my G-hats, which is the Greater Houston Athletic Trainer uh, Polo. And I got involved with our local organization by saying, hey, I know how to set up a website or I know how to run a website. Right. And so if like from your description, I, I would have to be involved in the, the NATA International Committee to be involved in the World Federation um, how could somebody like me say, hey, I want to help? Right. Um, so <clears throat> we get a number of requests that way. Uh, and what we're saying is that uh, we, we invite individuals who have skill sets that we need to work within with our committees. So all the members of our committees that we have uh, are not individually, they're not a member of the World Federation they're a member of that particular committee, but they're they're a member of a uh, they're a member of a member organization of the World Federation. I hope that wasn't too confusing. But uh, so um, so for example, if you you said I've got lots of social media uh, uh, skill sets and I'd like to be able to help the World Federation expand their growth, we would put you in touch with our marketing committee, and they would probably swallow you up because. You know, we, we were always looking for people to do work for us and, and help us do that. Um, and same thing with the research and uh, our, uh, our research and education committee. 
the academic institution committee uh, is same thing. Is if you're a, a registered academic institution accredited in your country, then you could uh, ask to sit on our one of our uh, our committee. And we're talking and, about higher education, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have, uh, you know, uh, our, uh, like our World Congress is runs every two years. So uh, if if an organization, one of our organizations wanted to host the World Congress, uh, either an academic institution or one of our organizations, one of our member organizations, then there's there's a groundswell of members that now come into play to put that Congress on over the course of a, you know, that's it's two years worth of planning and implementation. All right, so talk to me a little bit more about the World Congress, because that's something that obviously would be like a, a highlight, like if I got to go and do the podcast in, in Tokyo or Morocco or any of the different places that you've had the, the World Congress. So just talk to me what that looks like, how somebody does get involved, and uh, what's the goal of the World Congress? Right. Uh, okay, so one of the goals of, of the, of the uh, strategic goals of the World Federation is to disseminate information, and the other is to promote collaboration. So the World Congress is, is one of those tools, in fact, one of our major tools. We offer a World Congress every two years. Um, uh, in 2017, uh, was in, in Madrid, Spain. In 2019, was in Tokyo. Um, I wish I could tell you where 2021 is going to be. Uh, we've, we've encountered a bit of a glitch in that uh, we have been negotiating with one particular organization for quite some time now. And uh, just just recently, they have uh, decided to decline the opportunity to host. So uh, we're scrambling a little bit in terms of trying to find uh, alternatives, alternates. But uh, I'm happy to say that we have uh, three organizations that are currently in the process of, of considering taking on that responsibility. So hopefully in the next um, month or two, we will be able to announce where the World Congress will be. Uh, and I wish I could have done that on this podcast, but we can't. But the World Congress uh, has become, I think, uh, uh, a really important vehicle for the World Federation and for the profession of athletic training and therapy. One of the things that, uh, that uh, evolved, in, and I mentioned 2017 in Madrid, um, in the previous ones, uh, the, uh, the host society, it was incumbent on them to, to pretty much accept the full responsibility of putting on the, the conference um, and the World Federation essentially came in and, and allowed them to use their name and we brought our members in. But the whole society was essentially tasked with doing the whole thing and accepting all the responsibility, including financial. And so in 2017, we, we changed that uh, to the point where we had asked our member organizations to sponsor speakers. So they would the, the member organization would pay the freight in terms of the uh, travel costs and accommodation costs of that speaker. And uh, the host society didn't have to include that in their budget. Well, they would get that as a, as a contribution, but they didn't have to find the money somewhere else. And uh, that did a couple of things. Uh, one is it, uh, it uh, engaged our members and it, it gave our member associations an ownership of the World Congress because they were paying into it. Uh, so it engaged them in, in, and they, they were uh, uh, you know, part and parcel of the, de of the program development. Uh, 
The other is that for a host society, it made it more attractive for host societies to to want to take on this risk because there is a financial risk of these things. And so the risk was mitigated uh, by the fact that uh, our member organizations were contributing to the costs of it. Um, and uh, so and we also at the same time, we we have a major sponsor. Our official sponsor is Mueller and Mueller has, has uh, graciously supported uh, provide us with funds that we can now tell a whole society that uh, uh, as long as there's reasonable budgetary processes going on, then if there was a shortfall, we would be able to we would be able to help with that shortfall. So that decreased the financial risks of organizing of hosting. So it makes it easier for hosts to uh, to uh, uh, want to take this on. And so we're we're pleased with that. Uh, the, and we've had, uh, I mean, our, most of them have been quite successful, but our Madrid one and, and the last two have been particularly successful. The one in Madrid was, I think, 350, close to 400 people there. The one in Tokyo was 500 people. So it's building a momentum and it's, it's just generating an energy that's, that uh, we want to see happen. And, and the, the, one of the criteria that we use to select where we're going to go is what is the impact that coming to the world uh, of the World Federation coming to your country? What what effect can that have on the development of the profession in your own country? So Madrid, for example, we're working on they have working on academic programs and they're working on an association. So when we were there, they announced that they had a, a Spanish athletic training association. So they announced the creation of an association. So we were able to be the impetus behind that. When we went to Tokyo, uh, one of the reasons we were going to Tokyo was because of the fact that the Olympics were happening in Tokyo this year. So we went there last year to promote the profession, to, to give it some profile uh, in their own country. <clears throat> and so um, now where we go next, uh, <clears throat> we will look and say, what is, it that, what is it that we bring that helps your country to move your profession along? Uh, Dr. Bergeron, the World Federation, of course, is athletic training and therapy combined. Like you just said, the ATT day. How do you view the terminology or nomenclature differences um, globally? That's an excellent question. Uh, I'll take you back to my experience with the Canadian Athletic Therapists Association. Uh, So we were, when I first joined the association, we were the Canadian Athletic Trainers Association. We actually, initially, if we can go even further back, we were actually a district. The Canada was a district of the NATA. And uh, when uh, the Canadian Athletic Therapist Association decided to become its own entity in 1965, uh, they, they adopted the, the same terminology, Canadian Athletic Trainers Association. Uh, ten years later, uh, uh, they, the association uh, made a name change and they changed it to Canadian Athletic Therapists Association for precisely the reasons why you're, you're saying that. So 40 years ago, we had those same things. 45 years ago, 50 years ago, we had those same things, the same, same issues. Um, and uh, we, in fact, one of the other ones was that we had to distinguish ourselves from was horse trainers. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, there was training, there was... Uh, so we, we opted for the word therapist uh, largely because it... Uh, it really uh, 
provided that uh, that implication of that we are within the medical field. And so for me personally, I think that was one of the best things that our association ever did. Uh, we still, even at, even at that, we still struggle with that word athletic sometimes. You know? So now we talk, we've gone through this whole process of talking about the athlete in you is a physically active individual. You are an athlete, even though you're, if you're recreational, et cetera, et cetera, to try and expand the service base that we provide. And uh, so, so we did that in a, a long, long time ago. And um, uh, other organizations have evolved. Uh, and I think essentially the World Federation, uh, when, it, when, it, uh, it, when it became an entity, it inherited these organizations with their own individual names. Uh, and so it is, it is a bit of, when we talk about branding, I'm sure Jeremy would come right out and say it, that you know, you've got to be able to brand one name. And you've got to be able to brand one set of letters. You know, that, that if you're an MD, we know exactly what an MD says. If you're a PT, we know exactly what that means. Do we know what, a, what an ATD means? Or, and we have, you know, we have sports rehabilitators. We have uh, uh, sports trainers. We have sports therapists. We have, <clears throat> there's all kinds of permutations of the same group. And so um, it's not an easy thing to, to change. Uh, I think it's something that if, if we had to start from, from scratch, we wouldn't do this. We wouldn't have this, right? We would have the one name. Uh, it's not an easy one to change. I know that NATA on, I think, at least once, maybe twice now, have had a referendum to change their name from athletic training to athletic therapy. And it has, it has uh, not won out uh, by very, very narrow margins. Um, but I can tell you that uh, when we're talking to new groups, we are making them aware of, of that. We're making them aware of if you are now, if you have the opportunity to, to name yourself, then we're saying, in fact, we're actually encouraging athletic therapy. Uh, so uh, they that may is, choose. That to is a position a, statement. Of the, it's, it's uh, not a position soft statement. Soft one. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, you don't have to, but this may work for you. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so but I, I can tell you just as, just as a note, side note, that the uh, ARTI, and there, that's athletic rehabilitation, uh, Athlete Rehabilitation Therapy Ireland, that's their name of their organization, mm -hmm. but they have now just changed their title, their professional title to Athletic Therapist. All right, Dr. Bergeron, final thoughts on the World Federation. Um, somebody wants to get a hold of the World Federation, get a hold of you. How do we close it out? Yeah, well, I would encourage uh, people to go to our, web, our website. Uh, Peter Dewar is our webmaster, and he's doing an outstanding job of our, of, with our website. Uh, go there to get some information. I would encourage you to, to uh, you know, link in with, with our, we have LinkedIn, we have Twitter, we have Facebook. So connect with us in those ways. Uh, they're doing a fabulous job of trying to communicate to people as to what we're doing. Um, we have just finished a strategic plan meeting in, in, at the end of January, and we're uh, in the throes of uh, going through the processes of getting our strategic plan, our new mission statement and vision, and our strategic goals accepted by our member organizations. And once we get that uh, published, uh, we will be, uh, you'll be able to see where we're going in the next four to five years. Um, so we're very excited about the World Federation, and I, I get excited every day when I talk to people about how excited they are about uh, this, this world entity 
this global entity that just gives them all the credibility uh, domestically. So uh, we, we really want to push that whole notion that um, if we get in, if we get on the international stage and we get that credibility on the international stage, that gives every one of our member organizations credibility within their own country, and it gives every member of that organization uh, credibility within their own institutions and their workplace and within the public. And so there's a huge trickle-down effect of this thing, and it really needs, but it needs to be, be uh, supported and driven from the grassroots. If you want to get a hold of Dr. Bergeron again. Yeah, uh, the best way would be to go to our website. We have a contact us link there. Uh, it's it's a it's sort of the funnel of all of our communication, and our webmaster when the when the, he'll get that information and then he uh, uh, shuffles it off to the appropriate people, including myself. Very good. So it's wfatt.org, and then it's pretty easy to find where it has there. Like you said, the Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, all those little buttons are there up on the top. Or you can search on any of those WFATT, and some of them are WFATT official. So if you just search on whatever social media platform you're looking on, that'd be an easy way to do that. So for Dr. Aaron Hessler, how are they going to get a hold of you? Hi, Jeremy. They will be able to get a hold of me on uh, my website, sportsfactory.com. That's S-P-O-R-T-Z factory.com. It's the same sports factory on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, or you could Google me. If you want to get a hold of me, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com, anywhere, or if you need to email me, that's info at sportsmedicinebroadcast. Without much further ado, the partners with the Sports Medicine Broadcast, if you use MedBridge, use the SMB. If you use Mark Pro, use the SMB as your promo code, and those will help save you some money, um, and check those out, so... Oh, and I'd like to thank you, thank KT Tape for <laughs> supporting everything that I do and uh, Gatorade as well. And Hoist, I appreciate it. So you can check out this episode is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash WFATT, which is short for World Federation of Athletic Training and Therapy. So sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash WFATT. So for Jeremy... World Federation, Dr. Glenn Bergeron, Dr. Aaron Hassler, and the Sports Medicine Broadcast. That is a wrap. Thanks. Thanks, Doc. Nice meeting you. Yes, yeah, nice meeting you guys too. Thanks very much.